Welcome to Behind the Door, the show that addresses the real issues facing businesses today with your hosts, Suze and Mac. Hello, and welcome to Behind the Door, where Mac and I are going to dig a bit deeper in the business minds of our guests. Today, we're going to have Lisa Cini on here, Mac, and I am so excited. You and I have known her for years. It's got to be at least 30, um, because I met her back in 96, 97, and um, my my favorite memory of her um, is when... <laughs> I was winning an award in Washington, D.C., if you remember that leadership award at BWN, and I'm going to get recognized, and all of a sudden she walks up, and I said, Lisa, what are you doing here? And she says, I'm here to see you, and I go, no, what are you doing in Washington? She says, no, I'm I'm here because of you, and I, I was stunned, <laughs> shocked, and I have been in love with her ever since, her kindness, her generosity, and of course she's on a topic that I just, um, has has been very important in our life. So now you go and do her bio and amaze everybody who's listening. All right. Lisa is an award-winning internationally recognized designer with more than 20 years experience developing the interiors of long-term care centers. She frequently speaks on topics ranging from Alzheimer and dementia care to technology at senior living industry conferences, as well as general business forums. She's considered a visionary in her field, is credited with developing repeatable, sustainable, and durable designs that save her clients time and money because they can use them at all of their facilities. Her company, Mosaic Design Studio, is the nation's leading provider of design services for senior living, long-term care, and healthcare institutions. The company, which achieved an annual growth rate of nearly 150% over the past three years, is also active in global commercial design, project management, and procurement. Mosaic has worked with such high-profile clients as the National Hockey League, the U.S. Military, Brio Bravo Restaurants, PGA Tour Country Clubs, and various hotels. Lisa began accumulating her extraordinary insights into senior living design early in her career when she served as a facilities planner for one of the nation's largest developers of assisted living centers. In that position, she had the opportunity to live with the design by staying for days at a time with the residents of the facilities she later redesigned. She is active in a variety of public service and charitable organizations. Welcome. Hello, Lisa. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I am so excited. I, of course, you heard my intro there about how passionate, how many years I've known you and the growth that you have taken your company on. Um, you know, I'd like to talk about that because there's a lot of businesses in all levels that are um, trying to go to that next step and fear stops them or well money can stop them or whatever stops them to take the next step what propelled you to keep on going 
Well, I think, you know, first of all, you you have to have a growth mindset. Um, if you look at items and things in life and you try to solve problems naturally, that helps. You know, um, I don't know that that can be taught, but it can certainly be um, cultivated. Uh, so, and I had also some great male and female mentors. And I mentioned male because, you know, quite often people don't think, females don't uh, talk about that, but my greatest mentors were male. And that really made a huge impact on my life. I totally agree. When Mac was in the service, um, you know, it was very hard for me to get a job because we moved so often to different places. And my grandfather's advice was always to get a mentor someplace we were. And, um, and it, of course, back then when we were doing this, there wasn't a lot of females in executive positions or that were out there really doing things other than they were making great strides in the nonprofit world of fundraising. So... Um, some of my greatest and uh, and most wonderful mentors were men as men as well, including my grandfather, my brother, and my husband. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! That is wonderful. And you know, from the growth side, well, I had you know Pete Coceres and John Kobacher and one a lot of Rick Slager and a lot of wonderful male um, mentors. Keith Key, um, I had met with him and Adam Troy, who are local Columbus developers, um, and we were at an NHL hockey game, and I was asking him how he had the courage to grow his business. And he said, Lisa, don't be afraid of a zero. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, you're afraid of a zero, whether it's 100,000 or a million or 100 million or a billion the only difference in that number is a zero. Business is business. So don't be afraid of a zero. And that has stuck with me uh, for my entire career. Wow. That's a great advice. <laughs> yes. Did you, you talk about mentors. Did you use them sporadically? Did you set up to where you made sure that you contacted them every so often so that you stayed in a rhythm? Uh, did it end up being based on something that would come up? Just, you know, curious as to how deliberate versus happenstance was it? That's a terrific question. So I think, first of all, when you're going to have mentors, you also need to mentor other people. Mm. And the reason why I say that is, one, you need to give back, but it helps to relieve a little bit of the guilt of taking somebody else's time <laughs> and energy. Um, but you also learn how to be a good mentee. So when you're mentoring somebody else, you see the flip side of it, and then you're able to be a better mentee, and you get much more out of it. And I believe that uh, the mentee should drive the process. Um, they should come, become prepared. Um, and, you know, they should be respectful of the other person's time. Um, my most nervous meetings are always with my mentor. And mm. it's interesting that my team finds that very funny. And they're like, you can meet, you can be on stage with 5,000 people and speak. You can meet someone that's, you know, uh, you know, in the news and a celebrity and have no issue. But you freak out, you know, and you're getting all your ducks in a row. 
when you meet with your mentor and I, and it's because I value them so much and their time and I don't want to disappoint them. And that is a very powerful motivation. Is that like a, a fear of weaknesses being exposed? No, um, I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting because the Bible talks about fear of God and you think that it's uh, fearing um, in a sense that it's like a Freddy Krueger kind of fear, like he's going to hurt me. Oh. And it's actually reverence. Oh, very good. Interesting. Yeah, okay. very good point. Very good point. Okay, so you did say, don't be afraid of the zero. So I can remember you moved from one place, and I'll never forget when you moved into the down on the short north, and you were so excited about that location. And I then was. the next time I, next time I think you moved from there to up on the um, the hardware store, right? Yes, Smith yeah. Brothers Hardware Building. And I love that building. I love that location. <laughs> So what propelled you to go from the short north, which that was a large location, and up to um, the hardware store? Because that was a big step for you, wasn't it? That was, it, an was a, it was a big step, but it was it was the move was solely because I screwed up and I was ignorant in business and immature. <laughs> so um, I had signed my lease. For, and it was, uh, you know, where Grandview Mercantile ended up being, and then they sold the building, and I think maybe now it might be uh, condos or apartments on um, High Street. And I loved the actual space, and I wanted to be in there for uh, for a long time. I loved the energy of the Short North. And um, what happened was I didn't read my lease and then put into my planner that six months prior to the lease um, being up, I was obligated to tell the owner that I wanted to continue. So, uh, unbeknownst to me, the building was being bought, and so there was a deal behind the scenes that was going on. And the day after the six months was up, I was served a letter stating basically I'd be kicked out at the end of my lease. Mm. And it was done rightly legit legal and it was my mistake uh, and that was a incredible lesson to not just sign something and then just you know like sh put it in the shelf but to actually actively engage in all your contracts and all your obligations and that was an obligation of mine that I didn't fulfill and it was taken advantage of and so I'll never forget that it helped me to ensure that moving forward I was a much smarter business person I have no ill will uh, about it whatsoever but that is what precipitated the move and then when I went to Smith Brothers uh, building it was a sublease and uh, right before it was supposed to run out the manager of the building or whatnot came to me and wanted to triple the rent because it was a sublease and it was I had two months left and he thought he really could hold me hostage and you know it's kind of the old uh, movie quote nobody puts baby in a corner <laughs> and so <laughs> I uh, I mean I, I put all my energy and effort and then ended up becoming part owner in a building downtown and we were there for uh, 13 years. So you know what's interesting um, Mac and I were just on uh, watching television the other night 
And the show is Windy City, and it's about a woman who's a designer in the Windy City. And she, they did this whole piece now because she had a business partner that was absolutely robbing from her. And they showed this whole transition over the course of different shows. And this last show that we saw was how she actually caught him. And then she said, she was point blank saying how ignorant she was. I trusted too much. I didn't review enough. I didn't. You know, and so all of the things that she learned, she was making the point of what she needed to do. So if you would say something uh, that people should look out for as as their growth, because you do get hit with your learning experiences, what, what would you say that was? I would say, you know, trust but verify, which is, I think, an old military thing. Um, I follow the five levels of delegation, which means you have to earn the trust. And as you earn it, you know, you're getting checked on, you're getting, um, you know, there's checks and balances, but you never give up ultimate checks and balances. Folks that are doing the right things don't mind a checks and balance system. They don't mind it at all because typically it shows that they're doing more and working harder uh, than you even thought. So it ends up being a positive in their favor. Folks that don't like checks and balances or that say you're micromanaging me or, or whatnot usually have ulterior agendas or, you know, have a low self-esteem and they perceive it um, as, you know, an adversarial situation. And, uh, you know, I always allude to it as a sporting thing. And I'm believe me, I'm not a sport person. But can you imagine business typically is ran in such a way that like, hey, you're supposed to say positive things out in front of everybody else. But if you have anything negative to say, you need to do it behind closed doors. Can you imagine if a football team or the military or a basketball team, you know, you're in the middle of the game and someone just completely misses the pass and it, or just wasn't even paying attention or whatnot. The coach doesn't say anything to them because all the other players are around. You can't run a successful game that way when you're in the game. Yet in business, we think that's how we're supposed to run. And if you really want a team environment, everybody's dirty laundry has to be out in front because everybody knows it anyways. They all know it. So, um, you know, what, what we do is we do something called a transformer where every week – Everyone has to admit to something they failed on and then how they've learned from it and how they can help others not make that mistake. I actually penalize people if they haven't made mistakes and owned up to them because you know we're making them. And if you feel comfortable outing yourself and teaching other people, you create such a team culture of transparency that you really can move forward together in a positive way. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I have a question. So – in the growth period, so you hired people in the beginning. I have no idea how fast, how many, but along the way you ended up hiring people, correct? Yep. Okay. Um, did you run into situations where it didn't seem like they were able to keep up and looking at your checks and balance system that 
they were they were good for the first two three years, but then all of a sudden it was like they weren't able to keep up, and you saw where they really needed to develop. How did that play out? Did you? I mean, I mean based on what you said, uh, confronting it wasn't a problem, correct? No, um, I. You know, this was before we started uh, Strategic Coach, which is a mastermind group that also has tools for my team. But I've always felt that, you know, if someone's not able to do something, you have to look at, are they being, uh, you know, is it just a lack of competence? You know, can they, could with education or experience, could they get there? And so you have to understand that. Um, that's one factor. Or is it they're never going to get there? And this is part of the woo-woo, everybody's awesome, you know, everybody gets an award and a, all that kind of ribbon and all that kind of stuff. I'm never going to understand physics. Um, I just don't, my mind doesn't work that way. Um, you know, when I was younger and a younger business person, I thought everybody could just get to where I was mentally on what I wanted to do if they worked hard enough. And now I understand that that's not always the case. Like, I have difficulty with my lefts and my rights, um, but I'm gifted in other respects. So certain people aren't always going to be able to perform, especially when you're growing them, at a higher level. They just might not be able to do it, period. Um, that doesn't that doesn't mean they're broken or anything's wrong with them. It just means, um, you know, no matter what you do or they do, they're not going to be able to get there. And then there's belligerence. You know, are they just being belligerent, which is a mindset issue? And you can't do anything to change an associate's and employee's mindset. They're the only person that can change that. But in that situation, the mirror has to be shown to them, and then they have to be given time, maybe it's over the weekend or whatnot, to decide if they want to be here or not, if they want to work with me. And I've had several of those conversations. And if, you know, I've had people that have come back and said, no, I'm 100% on board and they were the best associate and team member ever. And I've had others that came back and said, you know, I've really thought about it and you're right. I don't want to be part of this team. And that's okay. So I look at it is, you know, three different factors. Are they incompetent? Which means that is it an experience issue or an education issue? Are they just never going to get it? It's it's out of their ability, um, no matter how much experience or education you give them. Or is it belligerence? And then when you take those three things and you really define which one it is, it's pretty simple then to get the right people in the right positions and grow them properly and then understand that certain people may not grow and just stop, you know, feeling resentment toward the fact that you think they could be better than they do. Very good. Very Very good. good. Thank you. I'm writing notes on all of this. So, all right. So the other thing, let's go into resiliency. You know, this is a year of true (laughs) resiliency. We have so many businesses that have to look at how they're going to stay um, above the line, how they're going to 
keep going further. Um, you know, you hear all kinds of results, pros and cons on the news, and it can take you down or whatever. How are you staying uh, positive and bouncing back through any of this? I think part of it is, you know, being part of mastermind groups and growth-oriented groups. Um, you know, you're hardwiring your brain every day towards the negative or the positive. I really limit my social media intake. Uh, I, I just, you know, I believe that, you know, if you're sitting around and you're complaining about a bunch of negative things, you're going to feel worse about the situation. Um, gosh, it was probably, I don't know, uh, 10 years ago or longer, um, two election cycles ago where, you know, my family, we had moved into a historic house and I didn't want to put cable in yet you know, all plaster walls and I said let's do an experiment no TV no cable and it was during the election cycle and I it was when we didn't have enough fossil fuels supposedly and all this other kind of stuff oil prices were going through the roof and I got to see what was out there without the media and being brainwashed and what I saw was a pretty happy environment and people having jobs and people you know it was great and what I realized during that whole lesson was you know you really have to take a personal responsibility just like you do with your health you have to take a personal responsibility as to who you're listening to how much you're listening and you have to balance that and be able to actually look at what's going on out there versus be told what it is and because we're in a 24 7 news cycle if something happens now versus when it happened in 1922, it is pummeled under our brain every single day, every single hour. And so the the repercussions of that is not just, hey, there was a horrible thing that happened. It's there was a horrible thing that happened, and we're going to talk about it every single hour for the rest of our life. And that's like being in a marriage and bringing up the fact that you burnt the turkey and then talking about it over and over and over again, you're going to be divorced very shortly if <laughs> if that's the way that you handle things. And yet that's the way a lot of people are handling COVID. And I think to a certain extent we're using COVID as an excuse to be fragile. So you what basically what I heard you say is that I mean, I have an equation that says performance equal mindset times talents times tools. And what I'm hearing you say is uh, start with your own mindset where you are based on what you're looking at, those, those um, inputs that you have. And so make sure you have, in a way, better inputs. Is that 100%? Um, you have to fix your mindset first and then align with others that are, you know, similar mindsets. And I think when you do that, um, my dear friend that passed last year and he was a world renowned speaker, you know, he had, you know, been on Oprah, Jimmy Kimmel, he served in the Clinton administration. He said, you know, and he was, um, his body. He was trapped in his body. He had that uh, the disease that you, your bones just break when you sneeze. He never walked. And he sent a video to me, and it said, you know, stop complaining and start having fun. 
you know, what are the positives about all this? Well, the positives are families are coming back together. We're being able to have a unbelievable shift in how we think about education and where we have to work. I mean, that's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. pretty powerful. We are recognizing that our seniors are valuable and we don't like the fact that they've been locked into senior living. And this is, you know, my my uh, cup of tea. And we're using technology for the first time to connect with them and to connect doctors. I mean, there's so many positives about this. And this does not take away from the tragedy of those that have lost their lives to this. This does not take away from, you know, uh, the heartache of someone being sick. But I know a lot of people right now that are facing cancer or their loved one was killed in a car accident. And for some reason, that none of that stuff is, 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 you know, being recognized and it's still happening on a large scale. So, you know, we have to kind of take into perspective everything, fix our mindset, move ourselves from fear to freedom. And that comes with, you know, personal responsibility. One of the things I, I want to focus on that you just said there is that us seniors are valuable. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it, it is it is a funny time, and it is you know just I, I think about the conversations that Mac and I used to have just a year ago, you know when we would see our kids that were so involved in um, you know it's like well when do you sit down and eat kids well mom we don't have time and we have to go to this sports or this sports or we have to do this well what happened to family night oh that doesn't exist mom we we just don't have time for that and I go well wait 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 you know and mom things are different than when we grew up and i go how can they be that that crazy how when do you say stop and it's um so mac and i would have these conversations about how people eat out they don't cook and they already proved that you know eating healthier is eating at home and it's like um it's like uh i want to say this it's like god says okay everyone is saying this let me show you how simple this is <laughs> it's a uh, forced on you and it has been a very interesting to watch what has happened to families what's happened to couples um, couples actually have are having to talk to each other isn't that a novel experience and um, so I so I do agree now but the part I'm really talking about too is businesses let's look at what it has done to the um the restaurant industry that's just tanking. oh it's it's tough yeah. it, it is i'll tell you it's tough and it's interesting because i have a lot of friends um we've done our fair share of restaurants and i have a lot of friends that own restaurants and they're doing way better than they were before and then i have other ones that have shut down um now why so are the I, ones doing so much better than what are they doing that's making it so much better when Curbside pickup and carryout with less overhead of staff. Oh, 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 oh. Well, what about you? I mean, are people saying yes? I want to renovate. <laughs> I want to. Yeah, do in, in senior living, we, uh, you know, at the beginning of this, we lost about seventy-five percent of our business. Did you? So um, we had to, and, and it's not for anything of our quality or our clients didn't leave us 
it's basically the law that you couldn't get in and renovate, and we're just starting to open back up. Yeah. So in uh, in an effort to protect seniors and senior living, uh, basically it said nobody comes in unless you're an essential worker, and so not even families. Um, so that became very tough. So we shifted our gears and we said, you know, what technologies do we have? Where are our clients having issues and operating in a state of fear where we can actually help them? And it might not be interior design, but it might be researching the best technology out there to put on the air conditioning units so that it reduces the amount of COVID that gets spread within the home. Um, so we we just put our you know uh, nose to the grindstone and we went out and what collaboration tools can we use that are HIPAA compliant but families can dial in and Zoom with their loved ones. Uh, what other products will kill COVID for up to 30 days when it's sprayed on on items and it's not a Clorox, uh, it's a mechanical kill versus a chemical kill. It's not going to hurt the actual person, the senior or the caregiver. So we went deep on that, and then we um, sent that out to all of our clients and said, look, we're in this battle with you. We are going to um, build water. We're going to, you know, give us a bucket, and we're going to help in any way you need us to help. And it might not be anything that you imagine us doing before, but we're here for you. And uh, I think that connection um, knowing the clients, knowing that we were in this with them, that we weren't there just to take a check and that we really cared about them and their residents and their mission from a holistic standpoint is it's been very good for our team and for our relationships. And now that the spigot is turning back on, um, I believe that, you know, next year we're going to have a bigger year than we've ever had. So um, wait, 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 I, I do want to say something to you, you know, I, I told you before that um, my mother was in assisted living for, um, for two, three years. And um, one of the things, it, she lived with us for 30 years. And then uh, the last three years were uh, more of an obstacle. So she went into assisted living. And the fear for her going into assisted living was, of course, her mindset of what she saw when she was a child. And then she also thought she'd be left you know, that we would just put her in there and then never see her again. So the agreement was that I would see her every day. Now, I said, Mom, I can't come in and spend time and have breakfast or lunch or chat with you all the time. And she says, I just want to see your face. And I go, I can do that. I can go in between my meetings and I can stop in and see you and hug you. Will that be okay? She says, yes. And I think about what is happen happening during COVID, and I think, wow, how wonderful it would have been had we had the Zoom calls and such that, um, you know, when I traveled, um, that I could have not, I, she could have seen me. You know, the comfort that it gave her in seeing me and doing that, you know, I, I think is such a wonderful um, piece 
that I hope that you incorporate in the future into all of your designs because families do have a tough time of everyone coming to visit. You know, I could come visit, but not my kids, my grandkids, you know, my brother who was over in Europe at the time. But if we would have had Zoom, you know, they could have called in and that would have been so wonderful and such a connection for her. Even though she couldn't touch and feel everybody, just right. checking in was an enormous piece of comfort for her. I, so I think there's some wonderful, you know, key takeaways there is that when someone's older, everyone thinks there needs to be an agenda about what you're going to talk about, what you're going to share, that you're, you know, you need to get up on their medical and all those things. And quite often, just being with somebody <laughs> yeah. is the most powerful medicine for the soul. It is. And uh, being that connected. And so, you know, when I had my grandmother living with us and my mom and dad and, and the kids, and then they went off to college, um, we would do a video chat. And my grandmother had Alzheimer's, so she was, you know, not cognizant most of the time. And I would put the earbuds in her ear and my son and daughter would come up on the screen and it was like she was just her mind was just right there and she was so excited yeah I'm and she was totally i mean it was like she had no mental deficit whatsoever mm -hmm. what i find now through covid is that everyone's getting understand what seniors and senior living feel like all the time yeah it it is just just the fact that i would run in and she would be in her little exercise class and I'd come in behind her and I'd hug her and give her a kiss and she'd turn around, oh, you know, and that's what she would do. And then she would hug me and, and I'd, go, I'd go, you're doing great with your exercises. And I'd joke a few minutes and then I'd leave. That was that's just it. huge because then all of her friends would say, oh, isn't that so cute? And then they would talk about it for, you know, all day long, you know. But right, right. It, it was so, so invaluable. You are so right. Oh, my God. So now with video conferencing, you can do that. And, um, I mean, I even do it with my family. My my daughter's in Israel doing her master's. My son's in New York City. So we'll get on a Zoom call, and we might chat at the very beginning, but then we go about our daily lives. And it might be making dinner because um, my, my daughter's, you know, seven hours ahead or six, depending on the year. And she's making dinner and I'm doing something else, but we're together. Yeah. And then every once in a while I might say, Hey, what are you doing? What are you making? And we're not even really communicating. Um, we're just doing life together. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's a powerful thing with technology. I think folks think right now you got to get on a zoom call and actually really, really connect and talk. And you don't, you can just do stuff. You can just do life. Yeah. Well, I know that you know this, but you are communicating, you are connecting. Sometimes being there where you can hear them breathe, <laughs> yeah. where you can hear their sighs, where you can see them moving, um, really that's important. communicating. Yeah. Um, uh, 100%, and yeah. here's the other thing too, is you know where does fear come from? Fear is our imagination. So, you know, especially if you've got brothers or sisters or whatever, one person might say mom's on her deathbed and she's not doing well and all, and you zoom in and mom's doing fine. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, um, you know, everyone's perception of situations 
is different. It doesn't demean them, but you really do have to do that reality check and having that visual is a is a very powerful thing. The phone is great, but people can kind of fake their voice sometimes. But if I see my daughter's eyes getting a little weird, <laughs> I, you know, I can tell she's bothered by something. Yeah. A mother's institution in, intuition. I do want to go before we um, go on, because I want you to talk about just really briefly what your new vision is that is phenomenal. You talked about, and you mentioned it a couple times here, about your mastermind groups. What well, what are those, and, and uh, how did you find those? So I've, I've, I've started to become a junkie, uh, I think. I think when you start, uh, you know, finding that perfect beer that you like or that meal that you love, you, you often do more of it. And what I found was that first year in business, I ended up getting uh, that Rising Star Governor's Award, and I didn't know anything about it, and that's how we met. Um, and they, you know, the governor's office sent you to make sure that I didn't make a fool of myself up on stage giving my acceptance speech. <laughs> so um, when I did that uh, speech at the State House, after the speech, a, you know, a lady came up and she said, um, we'd like to chat with you and invite you to be part of this group called Women's President Organization. And I'm, I said, okay. And afterwards, I met with them. And what it was was a gr- group of female um, presidents, and you had to do a million dollars in business and some of the other things. And then we would meet and we would talk about business and personal and um, even have be taught on how to media training or illegal things or whatnot. And it changed my life forever. Those women changed my life forever. And then one of them invited me into the Entrepreneurs Organization, which back in the day was called YEO, Young Entrepreneurs Organization. And then they kind of changed that. They dropped the young. Um, and I got into the you know, YEO, which is now EO, and loved that because not just presidents, but you had to be a business owner. So I could really relate to it. I could talk about things in a confidential format. I could international conferences and meet people from all over the world and connections. And then uh, Strategic Coach came about, which Dan Sullivan is just one of the most brilliant business coaches for entrepreneurs in the world. And uh, started going to Chicago for those and really found tools to be able to run my business and tools that my team could use. And then from that, I got introduced to Joe Polish at Genius Network, who does something. He's in Strategic Coach, but he really focuses on marketing. And uh, then met Peter Diamandis with Abundance 360, and that's on futurism and mindset. So, you know, if I wasn't part of those groups, what I do know is I went back and looked at it. Every time I've invested in a group cost in not only dollars but time, my business has increased period so the i you have to invest first but it it increases and takes me to the next level the second thing is had i not been in those groups i don't think i would have had the courage um to write three books and two of them bestsellers i don't think i'd have the courage to do what i'm doing today because when you sit in your own group and i'm going to relate it to sports again uh let's say you're playing soccer or your kids playing soccer and they're playing you know, just regular soccer. And then they get so good, if you don't 
pushed them to club soccer to a select group, they're not going to be able to be as good as they could be because they're playing down to their competition. Once you push them into a higher level group, they can either grow or they can kind of stay, but it pushes, they have the opportunity to then get pushed into another group. And this happened with my son. You know, he was in regular soccer and then he went to select soccer and then he went on an academy team and then he played soccer in Germany and Canada. He was a D1 level athlete and now he coaches D1 soccer. Had I kept him in the recreational arena, he wouldn't be where he is today. And it's not about being better than someone. It's about pushing yourself into groups where you have to grow and be your best. You know, when I go in these groups, they're talking about mining meteorites and, you know, curing cancer and doing things. And then I think about my little mansion project and I'm like, that's not so hard. But if I'm sitting at the kitchen table with my parents, it's hard. They think I'm doing something like going to the moon. So I think it's a matter of perspective that it gives you and also, you know, help. You you are so right. You are so right. And well said, Lisa. Yes, thank you. Well said. So saying that, let's talk about your new um, your new vision, which I was so fortunate and you were so kind to take me on a tour and I couldn't stop talking about it. And I came back to the office and I talked to my team about it and I was... I just was going on and on, and we were with friends last weekend who are seniors, and uh, one has some issues, and I went, oh, let me tell you about. <laughs> and uh, I was so excited. So why don't you go ahead and tell us about that? Sure, sure. So, you know, I think I wrote books, one, because Dan Sullivan said, you know, you know, you need to can and clone yourself, Lisa. You can't be everywhere, and you can't do a million speeches, and, you know, it, it works 24-7. And it also allowed me to get a lot of things off my chest. So I'm very interested in technology and how that can serve us and make our lives better. You know, and technology isn't always a, a, a Wi-Fi or a phone. A toilet is technology. A pencil is technology. Um, lighting is technology. Uh, there's, there's so much that's to it. So when I wrote the first book, I found that boomers really were engaged in it, even though I wrote it for my clients in senior living. The second book was about how my grandmother and my mom and dad and my kids and us all lived together in a multi-generational house and what technology worked. And it was a social experiment and how my life was better for it, but the screw-ups that I made as well. And then the third book, Boom, I threw both of the books together and really went further, did a uh, marijuana study, did a whole, had a partnered with the top uh, holistic veterinarian in the country on pets. And what I felt was I need to have this last book, not just in book form, but in a living laboratory format that people could actually experience. So, you know, it's not just reading about a bidet toilet seat that a bidet toilet seat is a very um i i, I it's a very uh weird thing you you don't want to talk about it you don't think you need it and then once you use it you'd never go back to not having one so you know how do you experience those kinds of things 
and decide whether you're going to invest in it or whether you're going to, you know, make sure that the senior living you select, um, if you decide to go that route versus age in place at home, how do you try out that technology without spending the money and then not sure that you wanted to do it? You can't exactly go to Lowe's and try out a Freedom Tub, you know, to be able to get in and out. So I bought this 10,000 square foot mansion that's gorgeous and it's across the street from Franklin Park Conservatory. And it's just got beautiful bones and beautiful history. And That's I thought, no lie. For our, our, our listeners, that is no lie. <laughs> it's beautiful. And I, yes. And I, and I thought, how can I do what I did when my mom and dad and my grandmother and the kids were living with me in Bexley? How can I do that but invite everybody into my home so that they can try all this out? You know, it's kind of a crazy thought. So... Basically, I'm renovating the home, and I've also invited my competition in to be part of it so that it's the best that it can be. And then all of my vendors that we use on senior living are saying, hey, we want to be part of this. So everything from shawl flooring to Delta faucets to Toto toilets, Brondell toilets, um, uh, just the manufacturers that are stepping to the plate, fitness equipment that is that helps you recover and get your balance and keep your mind where it should be. We're doing a full spa. So we're doing all these things and so that I can invite people in and say, look, try it out. Let me teach you about this. And then also let's give immediate feedback to the manufacturers and say, hey, this made me feel uncomfortable. You said this was going to be easy and I didn't understand the instructions at all. You need to fix this. You know, really engage in us having a collaborative group where we can move forward towards the future and really move from fear to freedom. And and I believe that's about experiencing things and educating people so that they can live how they want to live, where they want to live. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to say, Mac and I talked about this at great length because my mother had five different cancers. And one of those um, was she had colon cancer that turned into rectal cancer and such. And so even the smallest things such as a bidet um, would have been so helpful because it was as she aged, you know, cleanliness was such a thing for her and her dignity. That's that was so important to her. You know, um, I can remember at one time um, my brother jokingly called depends a diaper and man I just went at him you know to say whoa we don't even say those things that as we grow older these are these are the way we are going to have to live and these are great tools and aids to make our life better so um, I you know you think oh a bidet is a luxury a a bidet can be huge for somebody that has issues. Um, people that can't get down into a tub, anybody that has new knees knows they can't get on their knees again if they've got replacements in them. And they love a tub, so how do you do that? So the very fact, I am i can't tell you how much I talked about this with Mac because I said, let's just talk about our friends and family members that have issues and what you are doing and providing is so so huge um the one thing i'd like you to talk about and i was trying to explain it to my staff and i, I couldn't explain it well was the piece on um walking on the coals and then the cold water you know sure down in the sure spa. yeah okay so there is a um 
I have, you know, I love traveling around the world. I love meeting, diff- you know, new people, different cultures, seeing how uh, families live together, the housing structures. And one of the things that I've always been fascinated with are health. You know, in the United States, we basically are a, a not a proactive society on our health. We're a reactive, where most of the rest of the world is a proactive, and then they might not have as good of reactive health care. Um, but quite often, they don't need it as much. So I spent uh, with my family a year, another year, uh, summer in Italy, and we studied uh, all over, and then we you know, yearly go to Germany. My daughter lived in Italy for a while. She was getting an archaeology degree in Rome for four years. And there is this therapy at the spas. And in Italy and Germany and such, you get prescribed to go to the spa, which I want that all day long. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> uh, and it might be go sit in the waters or, or whatnot. But there was this therapy developed by uh, a priest, a German priest in the 1800s. And it is about simulating your immune system. And so what it is, is it's a, if you think of kind of a trough that you walk in, and you walk in cold water on stones. So the stones are, I'll give you the reason for that, Um, but then you walk in hot water, then you walk in the cold water, then you walk in the hot water, and you do about a 30-minute circuit. And he was able to cure quite a few people of like tuberculosis and things like that. What they found now is that by stimulating your immune system from the cold water to the hot water, it actually gets your blood flowing, it flows to your brain, it flows to all the extremities. But walking on Riverstone, there's an old, I believe it's Asian saying that said, uh, you know, death is in the big toe. So you use your big toe to steady yourself. And when you stop moving and stop walking and stop walking on uneven surfaces, you start debilitating your body's ability to heal and move fluids. And we know that our lymph system and our circulation system is all about moving our fluids. And it does a beautiful job. But just like a river, when you dam it up and you become stagnant, it becomes putrefied. And so the more that you can get your toes to move and to work and to walk and and to do, you know, an autoimmune response or a, or a, a cold, hot response that kicks off your immune immunity and starts building that up, the better off you are. And it's simple. It's not, you know, sitting in an ice cold bath. It's not... Um, being in hot yoga it's a very simple thing that seniors can do and as far as i'm aware i've not found one in the united states there might be but i've uh experienced them in japan and uh turkey and italy and germany all over uh europe and i wanted to bring that to this project uh selfishly not only for myself and everyone that wants to try it out but for my parents i really want them to be able to do it now, will you be able to buy this to put it in your home, or this is no, not that I'm aware stuff. of, um, not that I'm aware of. So, okay. um, you know, uh, that's that is an in- interesting concept, though. It's a, it's a design challenge for you. <laughs> it is. I, I didn't even think about that. Okay, I'm going to take you uh, a step further on the design challenge, but, but you may already be doing this. 
So you're doing a lot of research, and I mean, you always have, it sounds like, um, and you influence design, and your focus right now, it sounds like, has been on like senior living centers, uh, or veteran living centers, Correct. those kinds. Um, have you found in your research that there are transferable designs or technology? And what I mean by that is I have, you know, a daughter, she's 40 something and I have two daughters actually. So, <laughs> and they're both 40 something. And, and so they're looking at designing a home. Should some of the things that you're talking about for senior citizens be implemented in all homes or in homes for 40-year-olds um, that increase their value to all ages and also make it um, to where it, it, it creates a living space that's e uh, more easily um, adapted for seniors? Oh, I, I, I believe so 100%. I believe that good design is good design. And so I'll give you an analogy and then I'll give you some examples. Um, you know, in the neighborhoods, when all the curb cuts uh, went in for the sidewalks, I don't know if you recall, but when yep. all the sidewalks used to have this, you know, basically to get down to the street, you had to kind of jump off the curb. Mm -hmm. And uh, then they went through and they put all these curbs cuts in so that someone that was, uh, in a, you know, to meet ADA or whatnot, so that somebody that was blind or somebody that was in a wheelchair would be able to cross the street without, you know, uh, causing an issue. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people complained about it. Now, how many people in your neighborhood do you see in a wheelchair or blind walking around using those? I don't see hardly anybody. What I see is every stroller, every bicycle using it. It has been such a benefit to the communities at large, even though that wasn't the original intention. So quite often, when we think of senior living design, we think that it's for one specific purpose or group when in reality it'll benefit so many more people and the example i might give is um you know having a shelving unit in your kitchen that when you open up your upper cabinets and you have a little hinge and the shelf everything in the shelf can come down to counter height so that you can easily get it because we know seniors a lot of times have rotator cuff issues and we don't want them getting up on a step stool and we don't want them lifting something heavy out of the top shelf and then it falling or causing them to fall so who else could that benefit well i'm 411 <laughs> and quite often you know i jump up on top of a countertop and then try to get to my top counter you know counters and i'm not what i used to be nope you're an accident looking to happen <laughs> right i'm not mary lou retton and you know and i'm up there balancing myself so it benefits me what about kids you know it allows them to safely get in and out same thing with 
Uh, Firevert. Firevert is one of the products that we have on my website called Best Living Tech that has all the aging in place technology that you can buy. Firevert you can put on a gas stove or an electric stove and if something actually catches on fire it will shut it off. So how many times have I been a distracted cooker? And Mm -hmm. I am going and I'm doing the laundry, I'm talking on the phone, I'm cooking something and all of a sudden it catches on fire. It's not just a senior issue that they forgot something was on a stove. It's a distracted cooker. It's a child that's cooking that is learning how to cook. Those are things that are safe that help everybody. Yes, I could have used that a couple of times where, (laughs) and Suze will tell you that I would uh, take something off the stove, walk away from it, and five minutes later she'd come in the kitchen and say, do you have the stove on for something? <laughs> oh, very exactly. good. I'm, I, and I know there's. we have to bring you back because there is so much oh. more to talk about just on your new um, concept and what you're doing because I know that you also design furniture, and I would love to talk about that some more. So many well. questions But for you her. have done some wonderful things. Lisa, thank you so much for being a part of the show giving us so much business insight, your thoughts. You have always been um, well-respected in the community, but just a force to be looked at and a, a, a great mentor for many, many people. So yeah, you covered so much ground, personal lives, oh. senior citizens, business life, <laughs> business growth. Thank you. A little yes. bit crazy, right? If anyone wants to follow me, uh, also, they can go to lisamcini.com or see me on Facebook or LinkedIn. And our company, Mosaic, or Best Living Tech, and all that is in the Lisa M. Cini. And it's just been an incredible honor to be on this. And, Karen, I know we're going to continue to talk and talk and talk because I, I just <laughs> I've just had such a great time with both of you. Well, oh, thank, thank you, you so much. Yes. And we hope that the uh, our audience will continue to follow her and see um, how they can help themselves or their parents. Um, it their com- business. Their, their business. It comes all too quickly. So we hope that you all have a great week and thank you for joining us behind the door behind the door is a production of clearview studio find us on facebook for links to everything mentioned in this episode and sneak peeks into our upcoming interviews